Welcome to the Disney at Work podcast, bringing magical ideas to improve your world from the happiest place on earth. Your host is J. Jeff Kober, author, speaker, and consultant to organizations around the globe that look to bring best of Disney ideas to their workplace. Welcome to the Disney at Work podcast. Today we are going to discuss the new era of the Disney parks. Welcome to the Disney at Work podcast. I am your host, David Zanola, and I am joined, even though it's been a long time since we've been able to do this, joined by the owner and operator of Disney at Work and DestinationMagic.com, Jeff Kober. Welcome in, sir. Thank you very much for the intro, and it is actually mine to apologize. Uh, two things have happened since we've last recorded. Life got busy uh, on on two fronts. One that uh, I've been working with a particular client out in Los Angeles, which has uh, taken up a great deal of my time, but it's also afforded me an opportunity to be out at the Disneyland Resort more often and to kind of see more Uh, completely how that operation flows. So that has been uh, a blessing and a benefit. The second thing is that uh, we have, uh, since September, I think it was mid-September, we launched DestinationMagic.com, and it is our uh, Disney fan website. This website is really dedicated to bringing you best-in-business ideas from the happiest places on Earth. Uh, Destination Magic is really about... Um, insights and the magic and vacation planning and all those things that Disney fans love to do. And so uh, we recommend, if you haven't been out to our site, please check that out, DestinationMagic.com. And uh, and thank you for being patient as we come back to uh, DisneyAtWork.com. We just uh, are offering you the best that we can in our services. And today's topic is uh, a great one. I've, it's one I've been contemplating for over a month now. Um, if I can, David, let me set it up a little bit there. Um, let, if I can go back way back when Walt Disney built Disneyland originally, uh, one of the, one of the foundation concepts that he put in place was that Disneyland would never be completed. And he, uh, though he only lived to see Disneyland for its first 10 years, he, he really, believed and exercised that principle. He built out the park with things like the Matterhorn Mountain and the submarines and the monorails. And and before his departure, he had built New Orleans Square and, and Pirates of the Caribbean, which opened only a few months after his passing. So he really, he really believed that you needed to keep building it. And it, the more you built it out, the more that guests would come and be a part of it. Um, we are seeing that unfold in a major way in uh, across all Disney parks worldwide right now. And there is a lot that's going on. And we wanted to kind of give a, a little bit of a business context as well as, you know, we always have some take-home souvenirs, as David likes to refer to them, uh, to take home with you as to apply to your own business. Um and so we're going to be talking about that as well, particularly as it relates to um, Bob Chapek's uh, increasing role within the Walt Disney Company and its organization. 
So that's kind of the kind of the overarching thing. Now, uh, before I get into Bob Chapek, uh, let me fill in a couple of gaps to the Disney Park history since Walt. Um, in the wake of Walt with Roy and even uh, the successors of Ron Miller, there was a belief that they needed to keep building the parks out. And so new attractions did come, like the Haunted Mansion. And new parks came, like Walt Disney World. And uh, new things were conceived and built, uh, such as uh, the Country Bear Jamboree and Big Thunder Mountain and Space Mountain. So that, that philosophy continued. And it continued on even afterwards when Michael Eisner took over. And it, particularly in the first number of years, there was a real emphasis on building out new attractions. So Star Tours came in and the Indiana Jones Adventure came about and Splash Mountain and new resort hotels. And Disney went into what was known as the Disney decade of the 1990s. And as it unfolded into that decade, the initial thought was they would build even more parks and attractions and Disneyland Paris got built out and so things kept growing and growing until it got to a point where Michael put in an individual by the name of Paul Pressler and uh, why I mention this is because there's some similarities to Bob Chapek later on. Paul Pressler had really come up through the ranks of Disney in terms of establishing the Disney stores and in fact he had built out that Disney store concept to where there were hundreds of stores out there. Uh, if anything, he probably overbuilt that concept. Uh, but he made an impression with Michael Eisner and, and won his trust. And the result was that Paul Pressler took over the Disney parks. And there was a period in which Paul Pressler was running the show and it was not a good show. Uh, Paul's perspective was really that the parks were like a big mall and that the attractions and the entertainment were really incidental to the guest purchasing pattern in those parks. And as a result, the focus on building new attractions and really building out the organization uh, went downhill. Um, even after he left, I have to say, as we went into... Uh, the era of about the 2000 era, um, there were not a lot of attractions being built. I remember Toy Story Mania coming out at Disney's Disney MGM Studios at the time, and not a lot that came out before it, and a lot, a lot that came after it. There were not a lot of big new attractions. And there had been focus being put on other things like Hong Kong Disney and so forth, even though that park was built and it was underbuilt and so forth. And it was just kind of a slide downhill. I have to say that with Thomas Staggs, when he came in to take over Disney Parks, I think that there started to be that vision, which honestly, I, I, I mentioned Thomas Staggs, but in reality, it was Bob Iger who was really at the helm of that. Um, but, uh, but under Tom's direction, a new fantasy land was built out for the Magic Kingdom. And, uh, and work began on a very ambitious Shanghai Disneyland. And so it started growing in a, in a new direction. And that continued until Tom was actually made um, uh, second in command of the Walt Disney Company. And a new guy was put in, Bob Chapek. Now, when Bob Chapek was put in, that there was again flags put on 
on the playing field because Bob also came from Disney consumer products. And so people were thinking, oh no, this is this sounds like a rollback to the Pressler era. We're going to start thinking about the parks uh, as a um, as a mall and as a shopping experience, and not really seeing the attractions for what they are. So, so that became that. I have to say, even honestly for myself, I was pretty hesitant by that announcement. That said, uh, Bob has. Um, been in charge of the park since 2015 and um, and has continued being in charge of the parks up until uh, a little over a month ago when Bob Iger reorganized the entire company into four groups. The first of those four groups was a direct-to-consumer streaming uh, set of platforms with also a focus on international uh, streaming um people are many get people are familiar with the fact that Disney is building a streaming channel of its own. ESPN has wanted to build a big streaming channel of its own. Disney is trying to acquire Hulu, um, Hulu under uh, the whole Fox acquisition. Uh, Netflix is the big player in this market. It so you understand Netflix's dominance. It's making 138 billion plus or minus out there in the market. Disney is also making a ton of money at 150 billion, but it's only a few more billion than what Netflix has, and it doesn't have theme parks and resorts and all this craziness. So this is a big market. This is a huge opportunity, and Disney is very focused on making one of its four cornerstones a focus on that direct-to-consumer um, effort. So uh, it's a risk, but it's a bigger risk if you don't focus on, on that market. There is clearly a market out there. And so that's where Disney's at. So that's one of the cornerstones. The second cornerstone is more, a little bit more familiar. That's the media network. So you have ABC Television Group. You have all those other channels. You have Disney Channel. All those uh, players... Everything that Disney's doing on TV here and abroad, that's the second cornerstone. The third cornerstone is studio entertainment. This is the foundation that Disney began with. So Disney Animation, Disney Live Action, Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, all that uh, that was ac uh, acquired by uh, Iger over the last 10 years, as well as the Disney Theatrical and Music Group, all of those are stuck under that third cornerstone. The fourth is Bob Chapix. The biggest part of that cornerstone is the parks and resorts. But the interesting aspect of this is he's also taken on consumer products again. And so he's now in charge of that consumer products section, just like he was years ago before he came on parks and resorts, but now he has both of them. Um, and, uh, and that's an interesting thing. If you think about what that... People are saying, well... Why the two together? They Retail doesn't necessarily equate park rides. Um, if you think of the latter as being everything Disney does off the tube, off the screen, off a mobile device or a stage, um, everything outside of what Disney does theatrically in terms of media and presentation, that's Bob Chapek's new era, uh, area and era. 
And, and so it's an interesting time period because this is a big chunk. It has a lot of pieces, important pieces. And I think uh, it's worthy to consider how Bob has been moving those pieces around since 2015 and really where it's going. And that's the focus of our, our dialogue so far. David, what are your thoughts up to this point? Well, I, and I think the interesting thing to point out is one of those that it's uh, it's a case of you don't necessarily notice the impact until you really start to think about it, right? People who might be Parks fans just casually might think about, oh, does that matter that they put somebody else in charge and now he has uh, somewhat of a different title? That doesn't affect me. I just love to go to the Parks. But as we'll talk about today, once you start to look at a bunch of the changes and you start to put a timeline together you can see a lot of that influence of Chapek at the parks. Um, one, one of the, the first things you wanted to discuss that you have on your list is uh, what you're referring to as nickel and diming yeah. efforts um, by Chapek to increase you know, per cap spending. And there's a lot of things that have happened that one by one, you don't necessarily by themselves, isolated, think, oh, well, that's a Chapek move or that's a big deal. But when you start to create a list, I mean, you created this list before we started recording and you see all these things together. For example, preferred parking, right? Now it's 20, 25 bucks extra or so to get a little bit closer to the front. And you say, well, but if we're already paying $20 for parking, why pay extra? Well, in some cases, if you want to get out of the park very quickly at the end of the night, particularly if you're at one of the bigger parking lots, that's a big deal, and that's just a little bit extra. They tried for a while um, an express transportation service where you could basically pay a little extra every day, and you could get uh, Disney transportation backstage to backstage. So you'd board it back by where Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin is at the Magic Kingdom, and they would take you backstage uh, at Animal Kingdom, basically out behind the Lion King Theater. You'd bypass security because you'd already done it, uh, you didn't have to go through the normal parking and the normal turnstiles, and nobody knows whether or not that's coming back. But for a while, that was a way to uh, to definitely up some charges there. Now, the big news, what was it, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, Jeff, that they're starting to charge for nightly parking at the Disney resorts. And that was a huge, that was a, that made huge waves across the internet. Disney says, well, everybody is, that's industry standard, and that's what everybody else does. You start to ask yourself whether or not Disney's the one that's supposed to set the standard or they're supposed to follow it. <laughs> uh, but all of these things are slow moves towards increasing that per cap spending. Yeah, those are, are great examples, some of which have not been well received. Some of which have, I mean, the parking behind the park has tanked. It, it either wasn't a successful business model or wasn't popular. Um, there are others that have been a little bit more uh, popular. Uh, the minivans, I think, have been a great addition. Um, and we said that that's actually going to be, we said this some time ago, that those minivans are eventually going to be autonomous vehicles. Um, and we think that's going to continue. But but that there's been a lot of excitement, not only about the minivans, but then there's been this discussion about having the minivans actually take you to and from the airports. Uh, so you could have a little bit more time in the parks and not have to go th um, with the complimentary uh, motor coach transportation. Uh, but for a price, and it's a hefty price uh, compared to what it costs to take a minivan from a resort hotel to a park. Um, new club level fast passes, uh, allowing you to pay a little extra. In paying a little extra, you get um, 
extra options in booking your fast pass. That's another one of these uh, nickel and dime kind of things. Um, and another one that uh, Walt Disney World uh, listeners may not be as familiar with, but Disneyland viewers, uh, listeners will be max pass at Disneyland. This is, uh, an upcharge of about $10 right now. I say right now, that doesn't mean it's going to stay that way, but it's about an upcharge of about $10 to your ticket to allow you to book your fast pass the minute you step into the park and not have to go run to the, your fast pass machine. And, uh, I have to say, I've ordered it and paid for it with all my clients that I've taken to the parks because I think it's it really is a savings and it makes uh, it, it makes it a lot more hassle free. To everyone, you know, I I don't think I could justify staying at the club, much less paying for club level passes. Um, but I could justify Max Pass. I think preferred parking is a joke, but hey, there are people who pay for it every day. Um, and so, and I wouldn't mind a, a, a minivan actually coming and picking me up at the house and taking me to, to the parks that they could work. So it's everybody's kind of thing. Some of these things are working. Some of these things, not so well. Um, the overall feeling from them is that they're a little bit of a nickel and dime kind of aspect when you put them all together. And that just kind of leaves people with a, a bad taste. I think an important message out of these efforts, and I don't mean to say that Bob came up with that idea per se, but I think he sets the tone and the tenor for for people coming up with those ideas. And so I just say, you know, make sure that if you're going to do these kinds of things that you add value, that people see the value out of it. They see the savings in time. They see the savings in their in their day and 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 that it's really worth it to them and then i think i think that they work otherwise they just look like you're you're just trying to find another way to to grab another dime well and so those are ways that that disney may be trying to earn a little more money from their guests uh, you know and, and from those willing to spend in some instances but it also we would be uh, we would be ignorant to ignore uh, the fact that Disney is spending money as well. And there's a lot of expansion uh, activities, as you put it, on steroids almost. Yeah. The number of different areas, not just stateside, but at their parks all around the world, that there is just expansion after expansion after expansion, whether it's adding one attraction or whether it's adding lands. Uh, there is There is a lot new coming over the next what, five years or so at least to uh, the Disney theme parks around the world, including one expansion that by the time this uh, is is up and released will be open, and that's the Toy Story Land expansion at Shanghai Disneyland. Uh, that opens up on the 26th of April, I believe, uh, yeah, in China, so not not too far out from, from now. No, and, and Shanghai Disney itself is is just a massive massive addition when you think about taking five and a half billion dollars and putting it toward a park and then by the way we're going to add toy story on top of it and i'm sure they have plans for other attractions uh to follow um they're aggressive in in the asian market and it's not just um with shanghai disney uh they have proposed a major uh 
set of additions to come to Hong Kong Disneyland, including making its castle much taller and more competitive to Shanghai Disney's, but also adding other um, attractions such as a frozen type land uh, to to their fantasy land. They have um, partnered with uh, the Oriental Land Company to do major expansion work at Tokyo Disney, including new parking lot structures to allow them more room to build out the parks that they have there. They're already building Soren over at Tokyo Disney Sea. They're adding a whole new uh, level section of Fantasyland with a big Beauty and the Beast component over at Tokyo Disneyland itself. And, and that's, that's not the limit. There's more to come in, in the weeks ahead in Asia. Um, here in the States, uh, there's, there's big things going on as well. The build out of Disney Springs that has, is still finishing out. We still have some restaurants that are opening in the next few months to come that had not, uh, yet come on board. Um, and that is, has been a major addition. Um, the building out of the two Star Wars lands, uh, both at Disneyland and Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, these are billion dollar expansions that are going into the parks. And to top it off on, in addition to that, uh, Walt Disney World is adding a Star Wars resort on top of this. Um, the, uh, um, we have seen that uh, recent announcement the last couple of days, couple of weeks, is that they are building out the Avengers brand in Disneyland, Disneyland Paris, and Hong Kong Disneyland. So that is a big uh, set of attractions going throughout all three of those parks. And in fact, back to Paris, uh, they've not only kind of fixed up the original uh, Disneyland Paris um, park, they have announced a major addition to the Walt Disney Studios Paris uh, of not only Avengers, but, but other components as well going in there. So they are making a big investment, having also bought out Disneyland Paris because it wasn't in a complete ownership and control of the Walt Disney Company. So they have spent the money to, to buy that out. Here at Walt Disney World, um, they have spent millions upon millions to improve the infrastructure to include new roadways and easier ways for guests to get to and from uh, the different uh, corners of the resort. Uh, the new gondola system, which uh, if you go to our Destination Magic, we'll show you some pictures of its towers. Uh, we have big um, uh, overview of construction going on at Disneyland. Uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios, which also includes the great movie ride edition going in there and Toy Story Land opening in June. So that edition is being made. Um, I should mention on the infrastructure too, by the way, they have also, my sources say they have spent millions and millions trying to improve the monorail system. So that has not been neglected either. It doesn't look it and they've still having a lot of trouble, but it's not because they haven't thrown money at it. They have really put investment and time on this. Uh, we uh, announced a couple of weeks ago a $3 billion expansion of Epcot. Um, we know of many attractions going in there, the Ratatouille attractions, the Guardians of the Galaxy attraction, 
but we also know that there are more additions coming in, in particular, a new land world showcase that have not been announced. And uh, we're going to re, um, uh, we kind of, uh, uh, kind of overloaded when we made that $3 billion announcement on our website. So we're going to re, uh, uh, give you a, a link to going back to that, uh, article, but it will tell you about a whole number of things that is going into that $3 billion expansion at Epcot. That's a, that's a huge amount of money. When you think about Shanghai Disney being five and a half billion, but they started from, you know, rice patties, you know, this thing is started, you know, was already a multi-billion dollar infrastructure. And now they're adding another 3 billion on top in terms of other attractions. So they're, um, they are very committed. They're committed to technology, the mobile ordering, which has been very successful at Walt Disney world soon to be at Disneyland, uh, is, is, uh, they're very focused on that. Um, and finding new ways to use technology to improve the guest experience. Um, there are just so many things that, frankly, I have to give Bob Chapek under Bob Iger's uh, uh, direction. I, I got to give him the credit for this. Who doesn't want to be part of all of these additions coming to the park? You know there will be millions more people coming in the next few years because of these massive attractions that are being built and and added on and oh by the way i didn't mention they're already they're doubling the cruise line uh by adding three major ships uh to the fleet so there is no stopping what they're doing and and while it's easy to criticize the nickel and diming aspect i think uh, i can put up with that craziness if i know that they're really seriously making an effort to expand on this what are your thoughts dave of all these things what is it that you really uh, excites you and what do you think excites uh our listeners and and really exciting the guests who visit the parks well i think if you look at that list one of the the the, the things that's that's exciting about all the things you just mentioned is it's happening everywhere and so ideally you know if you have the parks in asia or in europe on your bucket list you could go next year and you could go three years later and it's not like those parks are going to be the same as when you went mm. before. And that's what's, you know, it, it used to be, I mean, think about what they started when they did star tours, right? And it was a, uh, uh, when they started doing the different adventures that were kind of randomized and everybody lost it because, well, you're going to get to go on this ride and it's going to be different every time for a while. It kind of felt like the parks were what the parks were and there might be an updated movie or something like that. Yeah. But now that there are these large, I mean, think about it. You go to Disney's Hollywood studios in September of 2018 and you get to experience something that would not have been there at the end of May. And then you go back a year, year later after that, and it's going to be even something more expansive. And that's not even including the gondolas. That's just Toy Story Land and, and, and Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Same thing at Hong Kong Disneyland. The, you might go the and new, experience. Uh, with the new Mickey Mouse attraction at the. Correct. At the yeah. I mean, you, you, you have that too. Yep, you know, and then you have something like Hong Kong Disneyland and the new, you know, simulator ride there, the new um, Marvel simulator ride that's very close to Star Tours. But you go and do that, well, then go back in two or three years and the castle's going to be updated. And it seems like it's just really a 
money being poured into making those experiences not just a once in a lifetime trip but a every time you come if you come every three or four years to try to find something new and i think that's a and yeah they're doing it in small ways too right the mobile ordering i love it i absolutely love it i think it's more of a of a perk for those who have been to the parks often and kind of know i can know if i'm in the magic kingdom if i'm on the other side of the park all right this is where i want to eat and i can order my food without having to see it uh, but I think it's been it's made life real easy. And I would assume families of small children love that functionality to not have to worry about waiting in a massive line with kids that are melting down around mealtime. And so that's just making it easier. Couldn't have been cheap to figure out that technology. I mean, they have the money, but it's you know, it wasn't wasn't free. So I think those are all uh, those are all interesting ways to expand or change how they're doing business on small and large levels. You cannot argue I mean, there is no question that the the company is living up to the mantra that Disneyland will never be completed or Disneyland Paris or, you know, Hong Kong Disneyland or Shanghai Disneyland or Walt Disney World. I mean, there there really could not be. Uh, I can't I can't imagine doing more than what they have already taken on. It is so um involved and and there are little things that we haven't even talked about the pixar fest and the new up show at animal disney's animal kingdom and you know there's just lots of little things that aren't even on this radar but they are part of continuing to improve the guest experience now having said all that here's a man who came from consumer products went over <laughs> to the parks has now taken back over consumer products what does Bob Chapek has have to say about consumer products in the parks? I have to say uh, a lot. There has been, uh, it is not just your typical trinkets uh, that you saw five years ago. There is a lot of new merchandise, a lot of really cool stuff out there. When Pandora opened at Disney's Animal Kingdom, uh, did your kids not absolutely have to have one of those banshees? You know, that $50 Banshee is crazy, crazy money. And now they're selling it with a little uh, thing to stand on. And it's it's being sold for at $100 if you get both for its, its little decorative log stand. Um, and people are buying it. People are buying those Banshees left and right. It was interesting how much of that Pandora merchandise, when I would watch guests leaving the park after... Um, Pandora opened. What percentage were walking out with a Pandora uh, shopping bag as opposed to the typical Disney Parks shopping bag? One store out of all their stores in Disney's Animal Kingdom, and at least half of the guests were walking out with with Pandora merchandise. Uh, so they're doing something right there. And if I understand correctly, Galaxy's Edge, Star Wars, is going to be very similar, that they're not going to have the typical Disney-branded merchandise bags either. It's going to just be things that you, you know, merchandise that you could actually buy in a locale from Star Wars, and it's not going to be the I just visited Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, so still selling merchandise and still making plenty of cash for merchandise. I, I doing would say it in different ways. I, that's all the reason why people are wondering what's going to happen to the current Star Wars offerings. I believe that the Starcade over at Disneyland, the the uh, the merchandise shop next to Star Tours at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Um, I think all those merchandise shops are still going to be selling Star Wars T-shirts because they're selling a line of merchandise that's not being sold over 
at um, at uh, in Batu uh, in the Galaxy's Edge Star Wars uh, experience. Um, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy come out, and they had fun retail products. Some of it's just retro eighty stuff, but fun retro product uh, that came out for Guardians of the Galaxy Pixar Fest. Um, they brought in new shopping bags uh, and brought in a whole new line of merchandise and even a dedicated Pixar store um, at Disney California Adventure. Um, I I noticed that some, like there was a, a Buzz Lightyear uh, costume and it had the Disney Parks logo on it. So it's it's really the Disney Parks driving a lot of this uh, unique and specific merchandise. Uh, um, what else? Uh, li- oh, lifestyle brands. So Disney's Disney has partnered with brands like Pandora, Tommy Bahama. Uh, is it Dooney and Burke? Uh, mm-hmm. With the big high-end uh, um, purses and bags. Uh, I remember town... Uh, the uh, uh, jewelry shop on Main Street selling porcelain bisque versions of Mary Poppins and the Cheshire Cat for five, seven dollars, you know, and that was the major merchandise in that little store. Now their merchandise is averaging uh, over a hundred dollars per item. Uh, they have really taken merch and. And, you know, it's not just selling more expensive merchandise. It's selling merchandise that is appealing to a lot of buyers out there. People who want that kind of cool-looking uh, merchandise and are willing to pay a premium for that. Um, uh, it's out there, and, and people are buying it. And and then also, now he'll be back over the Disney stores. Um, there was a lot of... Uh, uh, challenges that were going on with the Disney store in recent years that the, the, uh, they had uh, uh, terminated a lot of employees and it was not going well. Now they're trying a new store out, testing it, um, going back to, if you remember the old Disney stores, they used to have great adult items in there where you could buy merchandise and souvenirs that adults would appreciate it. Uh, in the recent years, all you could get was children's, and I mean like children, almost preschooler kind of merchandise. It, it just seemed cheap and trinkety. Um, now they're moving to higher end items. So, you know what? Uh, I have to say, Chapek seems to know consumer products. And he's bringing those product lines into the parks. At the same time, I think that there are some food and beverage options that are coming out that... I haven't seen uh, in quite a while or, 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 you know, new stuff. So we've got like new restaurants going out, like missions, the mission space restaurant that's coming. But I was, I was intrigued by how they took Pinocchio's village house at Disneyland. And for the beauty and the beast movie that came out last year, they overdid it in a, they turned it over in a week or two, made it into Rose Tavern and lines were down the street in Fantasyland, trying to get into what was a largely ignored fast food restaurant serving hamburgers and fries. Um, it's not the and so uh, the and and added to that, 
you know, they're building out Club 33s at Walt Disney World. High-end um, dining experiences. Uh, where are those? Coming in. Where are those? So I know the, the one in Epcot's going to be above the American Adventure Pavilion. There's actually already signage or the little emblem right. there. Do you know where the other ones are going to go in the other parks? So um, the Adventureland Veranda is, okay. is okay. being constructed with a new additional space uh, at next to and above although i wouldn't be surprised they may take out a couple of rooms out of skipper's canteen Ugh. Uh, which would be disappointing because the back rooms are the ones they take and the back rooms are the beautiful rooms mm-hmm. i hate to see that but i have a feeling at least one of those rooms may go um but that's part of it so yeah if you want a club 33 experience without paying for it go go to go to skipper's canteen right now and and then dine in the back um Disney's Animal Kingdom is apparently taking a portion of Tiffin's and making okay. it into um, a, high, a higher end dining experience. And at the studios, this is the one that kind of trips me. Um, above the Mickey Playhouse show, okay, there was the Playhouse Disney or Playhouse Disney, Disney show. There is a bar up there. That if you go back to the original, that that originally was not an attraction. It originally was a restaurant. Right. And it had like backdrops from Big Business with Bette Midler and some, and, and some other kind of backdrops that they had. And it was a counter service restaurant in its early, early days. And with it, there was, you could take the elevator up to, I think it was Catwalk. And uh, you could do something up there that's where people are saying it's going there uh i've got my head scratching on that it's not a it's not a big space i i don't see that quite happening um so i'm i'm confused it doesn't have a view um so i'm I'm confused as to what's really going on at uh, disney's hollywood studio but that's the speculation on that the other speculation is that it's more of tapas and small plates and appetizers and and uh and wines rather than full course meals that they're trying to move more people through that club 33 uh, element so we'll see where that goes um now conversely on the other end of uh, this dining craziness uh I was I got into a line last week for Dole Whip inspired donuts, uh, and there was a line of forty people waiting to get a six dollar donut, which was actually a good tasting donut. It was a good tasting. That was six dollar donut, people. Six dollar donut was with it, a was forty a donut one? with with uh, with Dole Whip on top of it, or just like pineapple flavor. It had a pineapple flavor filling inside. Okay, and uh, and then it had a meringue top, which I quite liked, mm. and the, and a little umbrella to go with it. Well, I think they then had that, like, that makes a difference. So without think, the oh, with, know, without, without the, the umbrella, umbrella, it's like three dollars. <laughs> but the, the the umbrella, if you ask for it without the umbrella, yeah, it'd be a dollar seventy five. The yeah, no, it was all craziness, and um, and they had like two or three hundred donuts in the morning, and they had two or three hundred donuts in the afternoon, about five o'clock. But people were waiting in line like two thirty or three to get the. The five o'clock donut. I'm thinking, ah, no, ah, no. Ah. But hey, people are paying for these things. 
And so they must, I'd rather people who want a $6 donut pay a $6 donut than me to have to pay extra on my annual pass. Although, honestly, they're charging more on my annual pass too. So, <laughs> so it's not like I'm getting it. But they could have charged more if they hadn't charged more on the donut. Um, now, all those. So I, I, I'm just taking a step back and saying, okay, look at all these attractions. Look at the fact that they're doing new things in retail. Look at the idea, reality that they are trying new kinds of things with food and beverage. I have to say there's something successful working here. It's there are so many new things. Uh, Pixar Fest uh, has all, I mean, has like 25 different kinds of foods you could taste. I did the dinner tray last week, TV dinner tray that Carl would have had in Up uh, with a, with, you know, how the TV dinner tray would have little compartments on it, David. And that yes. I, I, I know that's how you eat every day anyway, but, but yes, they provided this TV dinner tray. And, uh, and it was kind of a, a fun way to do a meal. I wouldn't do it again. But, um, but they're doing all sorts of things with food and beverage, all sorts of things with retail, all amazing attractions coming in, and plus paying attention to the infrastructure. Of, uh, I, and I didn't even talk about new hotels coming in other than the Star Wars hotel, but there's a whole mix of things coming in. The new hotel. Have you noticed how the new hotel coming into Disneyland has no title. Yeah, I did wonder, surprised they hadn't announced a name yet. I believe that this is going to be eventually titled the Disneyland Hotel. Hmm. And I have a feeling that probably after it's up and going, they're going to start removing the old Disney Hotel because those are really, Disneyland's as old as the Disneyland Hotel, but they're mid-century towers and they're not what they used to be. Um, I I mean, they're still a great place. I would recommend going there. Do it. Do it. it it's a blast to the past. You definitely ought to do it. But I think recognizing what it might be 20, 30 years from now, it's not going to have the same hold. And I think they're eventually going away. But it, but hey, again, more investment on, on resorts, on attractions, on food and beverage retail. Now, today... Added to all this, a new announcement came out. Um, cast member, uh, leader by the name of Jeff Valley was just made uh, responsible for all for a whole new division within the parks called Signature Experiences. And those Signature Experiences include the Disney Cruise Line with its three ships coming out in 21, 22, 23. It includes Disney Vacation Club. It includes Adventures by Disney. It includes Disney's Hawaii Resort Alani. Um, there is uh, a lot of premium kinds of opportunities. And honestly, it makes me just want to work harder to save more money because I I don't th I, I haven't done adventures by Disney. I don't think you've had a chance either, too, David. I have but, not. No. But our colleagues uh, out there tell us that is to die for, and they are great and worth it. Did you see that there is an adventure by unique kind of one of a time uh, adventure by Disney for the twentieth anniversary of Disney's Animal Kingdom, where you go to South Africa with Joe Rohde 
for a week. I did. I did see that. Yes. Yeah, I think that was like fourteen grand, not including your airfare. Unbelievable! I I bet they sell out. I bet they sell oh, out. Oh, I'm sure. And I, if I had the fourteen grand, I'd spend it. But um, but uh, fortunately, I have a lot of little people who love my money just as much. So I have to take care of them. But um, hey, uh, this is this is a big. I th- I think announcements like this Joe Rody Adventure by Disney event, I think this is just a step of more of these kinds of things to come. You talk about dining with an Imagineer over at at uh, Brown Derby. You know, spending fifty bucks to sit in the, at the table with an Imagineer and ask a few questions. Imagine spending a week. What's that worth? You know, this is there are more of these things coming, and Jeff Valley is the new leader of this. Is is poised to kind of gather these things together and create uh, uh, more of these and to there and there is there's an audience who are willing to pay a premium price for a signature experience like this so so speaking of paying for 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 things in terms of you know what are people going to spend their money on and and what are they going to use to to use their hard-earned money to to do whether it's buy something food wise whether it's buy a souvenir one of the things that we always try to do here jeff on the disney at work podcast is leave uh give give people offer them what we call take-homes souvenirs so after we've learned all about the influence that we might be able to kind of trace back towards Bob Chapek and his leadership decisions, the tone that he has set in that culture at the company. What are some things that you think the folks listening, whether they have a small business of their own, whether they work for someone else in a large business, what are some of the messages from all these things, from all these initiatives that he has set, whether it's as large as a massive park expansion or as small as a Dole Whip donut? Um, what, what are some things that you think people can take and lessons they can uh, use in their, their daily work lives? Yeah, no, I think, thank you. I, I, four things come to mind. First is to think long-term, not the short-term gain, not the quarterly uh, return. Think the bigger picture. This is what Disney's doing. They're thinking about attractions. They're thinking about how to create income f- four, five, 10, 20 years from now. So think the long-term in terms of how you approach your work. The second is, uh, and, and, it, and it builds on this not thinking short term. Nickel and diming is short term. Don't nickel and dime. Find things that truly add value. Um, otherwise, people are just seeing that as just that. And that's not a good perspective for people to have of your business, that you're trying to nickel and dime them. Add value. Always add value to whatever, you, whatever offering you have. Third, break the pricing paradigm. If, if you think that a donut could only cost this much, think again. You might just make a $6 donut and people might just stand in line for that $6 donut. What would it be? So break the paradising paradigm and think bigger. And then finally, provide those signature experiences for your most loyal and affluent customers. There are those who think so much of your products and services, they're willing to pay whatever price whatever premium, find those and provide an incredible experience they can't have anywhere else and offer that to them 
that's how Disney's approaching its business right now. That's what Disney looks like uh, in this new era. It's about moving forward in a bigger long-term way. It's about creating premium experiences. It's about rethinking what really adds value to the guest experience from mobile ordering to $6 donuts and, 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 and providing it to the guest. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining Jeff and I today as we talked about uh, a new era at uh, the Walt Disney Company with uh, Bob Chapek and the influence that uh, Jeff believes he is having on that company in a wide variety of ways. We would love for you to listen to some of our back episodes uh, that you can find on, on iTunes or visit Jeff at DisneyAtWork.com where not only can you learn and follow along with some of the things he is writing about, about business insights from the Disney company, but also if you work for a company, large or small, and you're interested uh, in reaching out to Jeff to find out what kind of services uh, he can provide in terms of potentially bringing some of these, these little uh, learning pieces to your business, we encourage you to reach out to him via DisneyAtWork.com. Thank you very much for joining us. And we hope that you will visit with us on our next episode. Mm-hmm.